Like a boss. The best lineman on the radio. Well, the only lineman on the radio. It's Gabe time. Game time. We're ready. The Gabe Coon Show. 92.9 FM ESPN. Happy Thursday out there, especially to those people out in Germantown. Flush those pipes. The water is good to go. But it's July 7th, 27th, I should say, 2023. Welcome into the Gabe Kuhn Show. I am your host, Gabe Kuhn, on Twitter at G underscore Kuhn 71, former Memphis Tiger offensive lineman, alongside producer of the show. That would be Brad Carson at Brad Carson. Brad, water. Oh, yeah, I, what, what are we doing? What are you doing? Little waterfalls okay. from TLC. Oh, nice. There we go. Have, have you... Uh, have you notified to get those uh, <laughs> those pipes flushed? We so are, you'll have you'll be able to shower, drink some water when you get home. The Carson household right now is flushing. Yes, yeah, it's flushing. <laughs> yeah, here there may be a little sediment. You gotta yeah. get that sediment out of there. Man, some of those people got some rusty pipes, bro. Yeah. Or some some hot water heater deals. Yeah. But uh, we we were not too rusty. We're all right. Right. Yeah. Great, great song off the top. Not bad, right? I figured I'd theme it out a little bit for you. Thursday afternoon in the big Gabe Coon show. And you were ready for it. I didn't expect you to be ready for it. Bro, I'm a DJ. What are you talking about? Golly. I'm I'm better than Joe Burrow is today. I don't have his kind of cash, but uh, sad news off the top. He doesn't have his cash yet. No, he hasn't gotten the big, big cash. He's got some cash, not the big cash. But you're doing well, I would assume, because the water's all. Yeah, I don't have to to shower at the gym now. Rock on, rock on. Three hours to talk on the way, courtesy of 92.9 FM ESPN and yours truly. Um, We do have a uh, pretty substantial signing at the University of Memphis. Newsy day. Newsy day for July 27th. Um, But we have Jaquan Walton, wing, Wichita State, Georgia, um, 14 point per game guy, 40% from three. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll tell you all about it here in just a second. Um, but, but massive day. Uh, yesterday we talked about TFAL Leonard not making it to campus. I think you could argue that this is an upgrade. Also, Joe Burrow, we mentioned 32 out of 32 teams yep. are in training camp. And we've had some injuries, and Joe Burrow is the one on the forefront. Colorado, off to the Big 12. Likely, imminent, imminent, some would say. Mm-hmm. Um, they have to just make sure that when they get into that Board of Regents meeting that they decide that they're going to head to the Big 12. Big 12 has already approved it, though. <laughs> right. So uh, it will bring to the forefront how badly, in my opinion, that the Pac-12 botched this. And where does it leave Memphis? Uh, spoiler alert, I think uh, everybody's in lockstep here. Not in, a, not in a great spot. Not in a great spot to be added to the Big 12. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is a new man. I don't know if you've seen all this. Texting Jordan Love, taking pay cuts. Being a this nice a new, guy. This is a new guy. Yeah. Well, why do you think that is? The silence retreat? That's what I think. Oh, the darkness? Are we calling darkness, it a silence? silence? Darkness, silence, same thing. Go on. The zen retreat. Yeah, the zen retreat. Well, it may not have been silence because maybe there was some, like, soft, uh, mellow like some, tone. Some, some uh, like, yeah. white noise? Yeah, some white noise thrown <laughs> in there. But he is a, he's a new man, okay. apparently, um, as far as guests are concerned on the show today. 5 o'clock, Jeff Calkins, Jeff Calkins Show, and the Daily Memphian Columnist. And at 6 o'clock, dive headfirst into Colorado to the Big 12. What does it mean with David Cobb from CBS Sports? Glad he could carve out some time today. And then the Blitz will be a fun one. Uh, we, we do have uh, Shohei Otani going hey. nowhere. Going nowhere. Were you surprised? Were you in surprised? Anaheim. You were, uh, no. I mean, <clears throat> kind of. Kind of. Kind of. 
But yeah. I mean, when you, when you put it into perspective, I guess they still have an outside chance to be a wild card team. Don't think they're catching the Rangers in the AL West. They're mm. better than they have been since Shohei's been in Angels uniform. But also, I, I, I'll get to it. I feel like yeah. it's a waste of resources at the given moment not to get anything out of him and, and potentially let him walk at the end of the year. And also, uh, Sean Payton, spicy talk. <laughs> Sean Payton is talking <laughs> trash to everybody. Talk trash to the Jets, talk trash to Nathaniel Hackett. Well, Nathaniel Hackett kind of deserves it. Sure. Um, and he, uh, he set expectations for where the Broncos should be under him and Russell Wilson this year. But uh, I have to start before we get to Jaquan Walton. Joe Burrow goes down today. Oh. That is uh, That was really bad news. Um, he went down holding his calf. There's a video of it. It was non-contact as well, so that's, that's a stressful part of it. He needed a cart to get off the field. Zach Taylor, it was, it was at the end of the practice in 11-on-11s, uh, Zach Taylor, head coach for the Bengals, stepped up and said, it's a calf issue. We knew that, but uh, they're going to have to get imaging done on it, see, what, see what, it, uh, what it all takes to get him back on the field. Um, but it doesn't look good. It no. does not look good. Anything non-contact, he was rolling out of the pocket. Uh, it's definitely a, a frustrating, frustrating feeling for the Bengals, considering, I mean, this is a guy who's up for, we just saw Justin Herbert get paid. You figured he was going to pass him in per-year value on his salary. Um, I don't think that will affect his long-term prospects of getting that contract. Um, but we look at a guy in Joe Burrow. He's had an ACL injury. His appendix burst last yeah. year. Um, yeah, and the now ACL, you have MCL this. thing, too. And, I mean, and, now, and now you have this. I mean, he has been injured. We, yeah. we, you cannot deny that part of it. And for the, for the Bengals... Trevor Simeon's the backup. So if you have to go into a season with Trevor Simeon, like Trevor Simeon, I, it's not a guy that can keep you afloat. That's not a guy that you really want to run out there to start your season. <laughs> Let's be completely honest about it. Now, if Joe Burrow can make it back and Trevor Simeon only has to start a few games, you feel okay about it. But if Joe Burrow, if, if it's the worst, Achilles, some type of knee injury, you wonder what the Bengals' plan is. Um I, I, I saw this today floating out there once the, uh, once the news dropped. There's a certain quarterback that's still a free agent out there that could be at least a decent holdover. I, I don't think he's a guy you want to go um, and sign to a long-term deal, but I don't think he's looking for anything like that. But uh, I'm going to bring up a name. I'm going to bring up a name. If, if indeed this lasts the entire season, Carson Wentz? Anybody? Throw into Jamar Chase. Throw into T. Higgins. Tyler Boyd. I mean, I can feel that if that's better your than last Trevor resort. Simeon. It's better than Trevor Simeon. You probably don't have to get him on some long right. deal. You could get him for a year, let him hold over before you give Joe Burrow what his big What about Marcus contract. Mariota? I don't know if he fits it as well. It fits that offense as well as a, a guy like Carson Wentz would. He doesn't spread the ball around. He uses his legs a whole lot, and they are a – uh, they're a pass-happy team, let's yep. be honest about it, with Joe Burrow back there. So I, I feel like Carson Wentz would, would fit the bill a little uh, bit better. That's, that's it's not ideal, but none of this is ideal. I will say, is I have Gar- already is seen— Is Garner a free agent? No, <laughs> no they signed him. Uh, Colts signed him, sorry. <laughs> I will say, I have already seen sort of war on training camp. I hate training oh, camp. Yeah. It's, coming from a guy who's done this before, who's gone through multiple training camps, fall camps— dealt with all these things, pro and college, it's necessary. Things happen. Injuries happen. You shouldn't overthink this. 
You have to go through training camp to get where you want to be by week one. So I want to leave that in the past. I know some people will continue to talk about how bad training camp is, but it's football. Injuries happen in sports in general. Just let it be. You have to go through training camp to get where you want to go. What about preseason games? Uh, you don't have to play a guy in preseason, and we've seen that. We've seen a trend where starters are not playing yeah. preseason games, but then there's a double-edged sword of, okay, if they play preseason games and they get hurt, why was he out there? Right. If they don't play preseason games and they stink by the time they get to week one, why wasn't he out there? So there's that double-edged sword every time when you come to preseason games. There's that give and take. Um, but Joe Burrow, hope the best for him because he's a guy you want to see on the on the field. I mean, he's it, the entertainment value, what he's done for Cincinnati – is massive. I made my futures bet yesterday on him for Offensive Player of the Year. Yesterday. That's hurtful. That just hurts. What were the odds on that? It was 3, 000, plus 3,000. Okay. Okay. Like I, and I heard so this it, was a smaller bet. This was not like a – or oh. Oh, 30, oh, you no, should I bet see Brad's. Okay, I was I bet, say. That's a lot for me, though. I was saying – I bet I was, it – no. I was looking at your face. No. I'm like, did you drop no. two no, grand listen, on cheapskate. this? No, no, this is a $30 bet. Okay, don't, don't make, But that's a lot for me when it comes to betting. Trust me. Like, I heard this on the Jason and John show. I was trying to get some – I was getting some some hedge advice here, you know. Okay. From John. Heard, yeah. From John. Well, no, he had some insiders on. They were talking about it. The guy from okay. Vegas, you know. And you I'm, threw it down, and then he gets hurt. Yeah, right. It's <laughs> my luck. Well done. Thanks. Well done. Now, um, TFAL Leonard Jr., we talked about it yesterday. He's no longer going to be on the Tigers roster going into next year. MTSU transfer. He's going to go pro, uh, defensive ace. So, you know, there, there was a discussion. Okay, it doesn't mean all that much, but as far as a, a rotation is concerned, it could hurt a little bit. But uh, Penny didn't take long. Penny didn't no. take long. Uh, Rick Stansberry didn't take long. That staff didn't take long to go and replace him. This was a really badly kept secret, though, I have to say up front. This was something that, that yes. as soon as TFAL Leonard Jr. was rumored out, Jaquan Walton was rumored in. And he was committed to UCF. Uh, he was committed previously before UCF to Alabama, but they went by him because of uh, all of the issues he had off the court that had to do with possession of marijuana and guns in the car. Right. Uh, apparently he's been completely ridded of all evil, so he has nothing oh, to his good. name, so that, that's good. But he decommits from UCF, commits to Memphis. And Penny spoke to the media today about this, and there's other things I'm going to get to at sort of the end of the segment, but he said, I never panicked. I know it looked bleak for a lot of people. For me, my confidence will always stay high, end quote. And I, I don't blame him for having that confidence. It's unbelievable to see what he's done. He's put together a roster leading up to August that 95% of people around the country would want to have right this second. You have a mix of talent and a mix of experience that wins in college basketball, and you fill just about all the needs um, that, that you had. And I think a lot of this work, too, contrary to what's been done in the past under Penny Hardaway, it's been done in the dark, hadn't it? Nick Jordan didn't know he committed until he ultimately had a picture and a uh, good old Twitter post that he uh, committed, or Instagram post, if you will. David Jones, that was a quick turnaround. No one knew that he was on campus. He ends up committing. Jaquan Walton apparently was on campus and signed, signed while he was here. So it's been quiet, and supposedly, uh, this is how quiet it's been, Supposedly today was the first day of practice for Jaquan Walton. He was he's here. He's here. Now, the question becomes, what does Walton add? What does Jaquan Walton add? A lot, in my opinion. 
experience wing 14 points per game, five rebounds per game, two assists per game. Six, seven wing. Has some defensive ability, but offense is really where he gets it done. And I think one of the biggest missing pieces for a lot of people, you can never have enough shooting, right? Yeah. 40% from three. 40% from three. It, it, it fits exactly what they need with TFL Leonard's departure. And you can talk about the off-court issues, but if UCF jumped in those waters, why wouldn't the Tigers? Um, and I think for Alabama, when he ended up, when they ended up stopping recruiting him, um, and by the way, I think it's a good sign that Alabama wanted him on the, on their squad. That was the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament last year. But I think it's reasonable to believe that Alabama stopped recruiting him because of all the issues they issues they've dealt with from a gun perspective in the past year. More of an internal The Darius thing. Miles, yeah. Yeah. Brandon Mill. Like, yes, yeah. I, I, I feel like, you know, the from a PR stuff. perspective, you yeah. got to stay away from that in Alabama. Yeah. I think it's reasonable to think that they moved off of him because of all the issues they've had in the past year. Yeah, we don't care. Um, I'd say, <laughs> thanks, Brad. I'd say if this is your replacement for T. Leonard, you upgraded. You upgraded. Less defense. Less defense. I, I, I can acknowledge that. But offensively, he's got real juice. He's got it. You had proven shooting, 40% from three last year, 14 points per game. Now, what is his role going to be? Especially if the starting lineup comes together the way it's seemingly possible to come together. Javon Quinterly, Caleb Mills, David Jones, DeAndre Williams if he gets another year, Jordan Brown. Does he play a bench role? Could he be a six-man? Does he somehow beat out somebody for a starting spot because of his shooting ability? Maybe. We'll see. But this roster is truly well-assembled. It is well-assembled. And they're going to have that trip to the Dominican to see what they have, get that camaraderie, try to understand who they're playing next to, who can be at the top of the pecking order. But that is a question. That's a fair question to have. Pecking order. Last year, you didn't have to worry about it. You knew what Kendrick Davis was going to be. You knew he wanted to get to an NCAA tournament. You knew he was going to take shots. You knew he was going to be a 20-point-per-game scorer. And you knew DeAndre Williams would back him up, and that would be it. And then you'd have all of the rest of the guys sort of taking their opportunities as they come. This year, they're going to have to figure that out. It's fair to have questions about that. Um, But I am of the belief, when you have experienced players around, when you have guys that have been in locker rooms that have been successful – they can see. They can figure it out quicker than if you had a bunch of freshmen, the Imani Bates, Jalen Duran, all that type of team. If you have experienced guys on campus, you can figure out pecking order as you go along, and it may be a quicker turnaround in understanding that pecking order. Um, but the biggest question for me still remains uh, the eligibility, right? I, we, we've talked about this, Brad. Jordan Brown, will he be ready for the season? Will he be able to go with Louisiana to Memphis, credits, transferring, yada, 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 DeAndre Williams? Will he get on the court? I am going to say it, though, from a talent perspective, there's no question in my mind this is a top 20 team, if not top 15. I think some people could make the case a top 10 talent-wise. But when you're a voter for these things, you have to look around at, who else in the country has more continuity? There's only one returner right now for the Tigers. That's Shaden Hardaway. So I, I, I think as we get closer to the season, get into preseason poll time, they may get a little bit docked for not having 
had all these guys on campus the past two years, one year. They don't have a lot of continuity, but they have a lot of talent. And my gosh, Penny has put this together piece by piece. And I think there's this clear understanding by him. Even as you get into July, August, you can never get good enough. You can never be good enough. If there's someone out there that you feel like you can go grab to make your team better, go grab them. And with that, there's another rumor out there about other guys that could be on the horizon for Pity Hardaway. There's a center that stretches the floor, international prospect, seven foot two center, and I have no earthly idea how to pronounce his name, but Zvonimir Avisic. He's 20 years old, he's played pro for a fair amount of time. Um, Kentucky's also in the running there, but that's another guy he could add as we get into the later stages of the, this recruiting cycle and into uh, camp, ultimately. But, Brad, I got to say, this, this, this roster, the excitement that you should have about it, it should be peak of the Penny Hardaway era. This is the best roster he's put together. It's the best roster he's put together It, it, in in terms of just on the fly, like yeah. not development players well, that have been in the pipeline. Well, the precious Jalen Duran lineup that he trotted out there, the thought process behind it, maybe you, you thought higher of it. Yeah, but as far as what wins in college basketball, this is the way you go: experience yeah. and talent. This is about as good as you could well, possibly it, ask for. We started out the year with the one-and-done Mikey Williams thing, and we really thought we were screwed when the gun charges came through. Like, mm-hmm. we are no longer there, brother. Yep. Like, the aspirations are in the top 25. And if Mikey Williams makes it to campus, what type of role would he play? He's not he's on me. the court. Yeah, I don't think he gets on the court. I don't court. think he gets on campus, but if he did, it what, what type of role limited. would he play? Very limited. He's a, he's a and freshman. also, Penny has made very... Uh, Clear. Some people would say, oh, well, he's four-star, borderline five-star guy. If he makes it to campus, Penny would give him his minutes because that's what he's promised him. Penny has said in the past, he's made it very clear the past two years, no more pity minutes. Just because I like you, just because I recruited you, that doesn't mean I'm going to throw you out there in meaningful yeah, minutes he, he, just, because, just because I feel like I promised you something in recruiting. He said that today. Having said that, some of these NIL guys that are coming in, you can't tell me that some of them haven't been promised Big time minutes, of course. Like no. Jaquan Walton is not yes. coming on campus um, if he's not, despite the, the NIL deal, unless he's getting starter like minutes. <laughs> Even if he's not starting, and it always brings me back every commitment that comes. Javon Quinterly was one. I talked about it after that. Now you have Jaquan Walton. I'm going to bring it up again. All of the discussions that were brought up this off season about name, image, and likeness, and they were fair at the moment. It looked bleak. Like you got to a moment. Where Penny Hardaway was inviting people to his house, he had a thousand dollar donation. You come out to the house. That seemed desperate at the time, um, but I it's think productive. I think all is damn well on the name, image, likeness front for the University of Memphis basketball program. No I don't think there's any issues considering the amount of guys they've brought in, and I, I mean. Just look at the starting lineup, what it could be. Look at the reserves. It it is a well-put-together, well-oiled machine, potentially, at the peak of its powers. Um, Wild. Penny, I mentioned, spoke to the media today uh, alongside. Obviously, I I brought up the quote about him never panicking. 
looking bleak to a lot of people. I felt like he was speaking directly to me. I know John Martin said the same thing. Um, it but he did said look his bleak, though. He said that's, his confidence that's a fair was always take. high. It was for a second. You know, the, the, yeah. It doesn't matter if we we don't believe in him. That's a different question. Yeah. We're talking about what the roster was. What it was at the moment. Yeah, yes, that's correct. fine. That's yeah. fair. That's fair. But he also was talking about his three-game suspension. Right, I heard this. Um, yeah. He said, quote, I'll just say I was wrong. I was disappointed in the outcome, but I'm not fighting it. I just felt like at the time I was in a good position to have it reduced. They didn't reduce it. They actually added, end quote. This is a, uh, this is a step away from... I didn't know I couldn't do that, right? <laughs> like, this is a step away from I didn't know that I could not uh, conduct visits, right. phone call, whatever it may be. Um, and he, he's making it clear I, I was in the wrong. Hopefully it doesn't happen again. I, I, do, I do think there is a part of this where you don't want to continually see these things arise. This was a departure from normal penny quotes. Yes. Right? Yes. Admitting, admitting wrongdoing, moving on, not fighting it. We dealt with IARP and James Wiseman and temporary restraining orders and fighting the NCAA tooth and nail. Obviously, they came out on top, the University of Memphis basketball program and Penny. Um, but this is an escape from, okay, it's three games. Let me take these three games and try to move on with my life. Now, those three games are going to be Jackson State, from what I understand, at Mizzou, and then Alabama State. And he made it very clear, it seems like uh, – Rick Stansberry is going to be the head coach for those games. And a guy with experience, he may not be the best X's and O's guy, um, and he may not, you know, from a defensive standpoint, have the bag that Penny Hardaway possesses on the defensive side. But, I mean, talking he has about, the bag off the court, you're though. talking about a guy with loads of experience, 20, 30-plus years of experience in college basketball and, and coaching. It'll be fine. It'll all be okay. And that's what I said from the beginning. A three-game suspension does not do anything to really hurt my thoughts uh, of what this team can accomplish. Now, they got to get it going quick. That out-of-conference, at Mizzou, battle for Atlantis, at Ole Miss with uh, Chris Beard there, VCU, A&M, Clemson, Virginia, Vandy, they're going to have to get going quickly. Um, You just hope they come together and mesh. It's different than it was last year, though. You, You had two guys at the top. You knew your pecking order this time. It's a good problem to have, but you have so many guys who are offensively inclined, who are great basketball players, who know what they can accomplish on a college basketball court. How do you get that to come together quickly? I just hope the DeAndre thing happens. That's the the icing now. Did I hear you're not as positive about uh, the the prospects of him ultimately getting another year? Yes, that's true. Um, I, I would... I'm not, I wouldn't be amazed if they get the waiver. I'll just be impressed. Yeah. Well, I'm already impressed that they tried to pull these strings, right? Oh, I'm totally right? blown. I'm blown away, man. Like they are doing perhaps what very very few, if none, of the other teams in the NCAA could do. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think I'm. Am I overstating? Could Could any other coach pull this off um, this late? You're to be honest about with four, you, four no, because we 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 would have we. There's no other coach doing what Penny Hardaway is no. doing right now on no the one trail. Else is doing in, this on July 27th. No one. Nobody else is doing this. No one. <laughs> Patchworking a lineup together with a fifth year waiver for a 27 year old basketball and, player and five transfers within three months or something like and, that, and, and, and they're it, all double digit scorers. And you thought this going into this offseason, although you did have some questions, but I think from this point forward, it's never too late in the clock for Penny Hardaway to assemble a roster. That's just truth. The doubt 
can come and go, but we know how he delivers when the time when the time calls for it. And when his when when seemingly time's ticking away, when the back is seemingly up against the wall, I mean, I don't know of a single college basketball coach who can do what Penny Hardaway does. And I do think, as much as people want to push against this thought, I think Rick Stansberry's been a hell of a help. Oh, that was a good I, nice. I, don't, I, don't, I don't think people need to get offended by that. There's a reason that Penny brought in Rick Stansberry. He needs more. He needed help. He needed help to try to piece together a roster as well this late. And I think Rick Stansberry is known and very known at getting that done. When you say offended, you mean people on social media who are suggesting that we're giving all, him too much yes, credit. Yes, correct, yes. That's what I mean. I mean, come on, man. Yeah, It's a staff as a whole. It's a staff as a whole. It's a team. Recruiting is done as a team, exactly. It's not It's not just one person uh, making everything happen. You have to have help along the way, and I think Rick Stansberry's been more more than enough help. Absolutely. And I get, you know who I give credit for that? Penny. Yeah, you know, he brought I, him in. He had the wherewithal to bring there him in. Are, there are very few uh, people who are affable enough to go, wait a minute, didn't didn't he get Emmanuel Acott from me last year and, and hold a grudge? Instead, he's like more like, Damn, um, he got Emmanuel Acott <laughs> from me. Let me bring him in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can't beat him, Jim. Yeah, exactly. You know? Exactly. That's a pretty sw- savvy move. Yeah. Um, moving on, Colorado is assumed to be off to the Big 12. And for me, it brings to the forefront the question, how badly has the Pac-12 botched this? I'll explain how, how much they have botched this on the other side, right here on the Gabe Kuhn Show, 92.9 FM ESPN. The Odyssey app allows you to rewind. Yes, rewind 92.9 anytime. Download the Odyssey app free through the App Store and follow 92.9 FM ESPN. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Two step, Guests appear on the Smile Center Hotline. Now back to the Gabe Coon Show, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios on 92.9 FM ESPN. Back in on the Gabe Coon Show, Gabe Coon here with you, 92.9 FM ESPN. Now Colorado is officially off to the Big 12. The Big 12 voted unanimously to allow them in the conference, and just about seven minutes ago we get a shout from Brett McMurphy saying that the Colorado Board of Regents has unanimously approved, headed, uh, getting getting that uh, athletic department and that, that school headed to the Big 12. There's a joint statement from Chancellor Phil DeStefano and Athletic Director Rick George. I'm going to read it in full after careful thought and consideration. It was determined that a switch in conference would give CU Boulder the stability, resources, and exposure necessary for long-term future success in a college athletics environment that is constantly evolving. The Big 12's national reach across three time zones, they love talking about those three time zones, as well as our shared creative vision for the future, we feel it makes, a, uh, we feel makes it an excellent fit for CU Boulder. Our students, faculty, and alumni, these decisions are never easy, and we valued our 12 years as proud members of the Pac-12 Conference, we look forward to achieving new goals while embarking on this exciting next era as members of the Big 12 Conference. This is going to happen next year, by the way, wow. because the uh, media rights deal ends this year for the Pac-12. So Colorado can move freely. They have one more year, and they're gone. And they're, they're booking it. Twelve years after they booked from the Big 12 to the Pac-12. And I, I mentioned this yesterday. It's strange to me. You always want to think that athletic directors, chancellors, presidents, whoever's at the top, 
at these universities have foresight on what could potentially happen down the road. Paying athletes, NIL, USC, and UCLA chasing money out of the Pac-12 to the Big Ten. You, you like to think that they'd have foresight on those things, but they sometimes are just like us. Not necessarily seeing that. Not necessarily seeing what the future holds. But 12 years after jumping from the Big 12, they're going right back. Um, now the Pac-12 is left with nine members. Nine. What are they going to do? I obviously look back at the way that the Pac-12 has conducted operations and themselves through the Larry Scott era. Bad. Not good. Not good media rights deal. Uh, they, they were way too picky about potential additions. Ultimately, they want those AAU schools. They want to uphold their, their um, sort of status in the uh, acad- academic realm, if you will. But I, I just look at two years ago, the foresight for the Pac-12. I mean, it just hasn't been there, even with George Klyavkov. Two years ago, the Pac-12 denied a merger with the Big 12. Mm. Could have saved them, ultimately. I don't know what it would have been named, and maybe they didn't want to lose their, their potential leadership at the top and all that. But two years ago, the Pac-12 denied a merger with the Big 12. Instead, throughout all these different processes, you know, you have Oklahoma and Texas headed to the SEC. You have USC, UCLA headed to the Big 10. The Big 12 made their moves. Instead, they went into alliance, into an alliance with the Big 10 and the ACC. What did that alliance do for them? Nothing. That alliance lost them USC and UCLA. The Big Ten, even though they were in an alliance with the Pac-12, Big Ten cared none about that alliance. All they did was take from you. You thought they were on your side. Don't think that. (laughs) Everyone's chasing money, brother. George, you, you have to have more foresight than that. I don't think you were handed a great situation. I don't. But at the same time, I look at Brett Yormark. He's trying to expand. He's trying new things. He brought in three, four teams that were group of five schools. One was an independent in BYU because he liked the, the, sort of te- the, the markets they were in. He liked what they were doing as far as an athletic department was concerned. He had foresight on these things, and he's trying different things as far as uh, there's the, uh, is it a basketball thing to Mexico? Like, he's just trying to branch out and have innovative ideas. And what has George Klyavkov done? Sit on his hands. He was supposed to be bet, uh, MGM Resorts. He's supposed to have all these connections to TV networks that was going to make a, a TV deal, striking one, easy. It's been anything but that. And that's the reason that you see Colorado jumping ships so fast. And, and I, I look at how everyone else is reacting around the Pac-12. Let's look into it. University of Oregon Executive Audit and Governance Committee of the Board of Trustees held a meeting this morning, and it looked like it was scheduled last minute because Colorado's jumping ship. What are they thinking right now? Oregon's a good, good program. That's a good athletics department. Where do they want to hop? Certainly they've been tied to the Big Ten previously, but could they go to the Big 12 if they feel like the Pac-12 is not going to meet their standards? It's strange. It's strange. Also, Arizona, largely tied to the Big 12. They were talked about one of the four corner schools. We talk about dominoes falling. Colorado was the first. Arizona, Arizona State, Utah. Are they headed to the Big 12 now? I don't think Colorado's the only one. 
Big 12 will have 13 members once Texas and Oklahoma leave next year. They're going to have to even that out. How are they going to do it? UConn, tied to the Big 12 as well. What, what is their thought process behind maybe hopping out of the Big East, aligning with a conference in, in uh, uh, football, and the Big 12 sort of doubling down on the basketball power that UConn is? On top of all that, this morning, the Pac-12's CEO group and athletic directors met um, to discuss the next steps for a conference, for the conference, as it pursues expansion without Colorado. I'm sorry. It's too late to start thinking, to start these conversations about expansion. This should have been done two years ago. As soon as USC and UCLA told you, hey, we're gone, you should have been thinking about this. And it's too late. Like, who are are you going to add? UNLV? San Diego State? SMU? What are you going to do? That's not going to help you. You're not recovering what's already lost and what could still be lost. UNLV, San Diego State, SMU are not going to do that for you. This has been a comedy of errors by a supposed, I mean the thought process behind it at least, by a commissioner that was supposed to come in and bring you new bright ideas. But he's done nothing of the sort. And the fact that you have a meeting today with the Pac-12 CEO group about, oh, we, we want to expand now. This should have been done years ago. You should have been thinking about this years ago. But it just goes to prove the Pac-12 as a conference, contrary to a lot of, I mean, every other power conference, has just been lacking foresight the entire way. And now you end up caught with your pants down. That's the truth of it. This is wild. I mean, this is, and, and I think it's going to go fast now, don't you think? And here's the thing. People will say, okay, Colorado's not a great athletic department. And, you know, oh, I, and maybe, maybe they don't bring as many eyes, but they do have the Denver market, theoretically. But think about the football product. You don't think Deion Sanders is going to bring eyes? They have 40,000 people whatever, at the spring game. What, whatever, whatever TV contract is yeah. out there that they want to go sign, you don't think those TV partners want a piece of Deion Sanders in that program right yeah, now? absolutely. Of course they do. Yeah. This is a more meaningful move than just thinking about Colorado historically as an athletic department. Right, right. This is about the current state. And, and I, I never thought, you know, just sort of a, a decade ago, five years ago, I never thought that Colorado was going to hold all this power to sort of shift how we look at college athletics and uh, conferences as a whole. Right. But they are holding all the power here. Yeah. And I, I sort of wonder, and I, obviously the writing's been on the wall for a while, but Rick George had said they wanted to see a number. They're AD. They wanted to see a number as far as the TV contracts, TV revenue, new media rights deal with the Pac-12 was going to be. I wonder if they've seen that number. I'm curious about that. Or are they just assuming it's going to be low like the rest of us, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, it's not going right. to be on par. Um, it is being reported that they will get, once they join the Big 12, the $31.7 yeah. million dollars owed to everybody. They'll get the full share. Um, That's why they're going. Of course. Of course. And the Pac-12, Pac-12 on Tubi soon? <laughs> what are we talking <laughs> about? Pac- Pac-12 on Ion? Yeah. Pac-12 on CW? Yeah. Hey, it's, all it's these TV networks thin. are overextended, and yeah. this, the product is just so... It's not compelling. I do think it helps the Big 12 that they are in three time zones compared to the Pac-12. 
I don't think that. I mean, I I know we're all joking about it, but that's something to look. No, at. no, no. It's it's meaningful. Like the Pac-12 is. I was West only making Coast. fun of them because they say it all the time. No, they they hammer it. Brett then. Yormark says we're in three time zones. But I also think that they're going to add UConn quickly. I don't think that's going to take very long. Um. Now, for questions about Memphis, this is not good. I, I there's no question. I mean, but I think everybody expects the worst, hopes for the best. When it comes to University of Memphis aligning with a Power Five, aligning with the Big Twelve, ultimately, because that seems like the ones, the one that has been out there for them at least since you know 2015, 2016. As of late, when they added Houston and UCF from the same conference, Cincinnati from the same conference. But this is not a good thing. I, I, I said this a couple weeks ago, and it makes more sense to me now, and it should make more sense to everybody out there. Instead of conference realignment. I think we should start thinking about this in the sense that, okay, we've seen the Big Ten ad, we've seen the SEC ad, the ACC has a grant of rights deal that they've tried to sort of maneuver around and see what's happening. This is more conference consolidation than it is realignment. What I mean by that is now you're going to see all these Pac-12 schools going, jumping ship to the Big 12 uh, because they don't trust that the Pac-12 will be part of the party by the time we get, you know, 10, 15 years down the road. This is consolidation more than it is realignment. And I guess if you're holding out hope for UConn potentially getting in the Big 12, that, that, is, so, that is realignment of sorts. Um, but in the Big East, they were part of a, a, a power conference, if you will, back in the day in football, and they had some success under Randy Edsall. So they've been there, done that before. They have a decent market size, Hartford. Um, but this, this is consolidation. And I think that's how we need to think about it right this second until any other uh, reports, uh, you know, details arise. This is this is power conference teams going to other power conference going to another theoretical power conference. So you don't see much hope for Memphis, is what you're telling me. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't. And I think when it's on the heels of what we talked about earlier this week, yeah. and not potentially getting the renovations done to Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium, I think that's another. And there's no guarantee, even if they get right. those renovations done, that there's going to be they're going to make the party. They're going to be in the. Uh, in a in a power conference, I, I do think in the meantime, though, all Memphis can do is just be the best they can, right? Yeah, and, and I think they have games. a great. I, I think there's a great chance for this university to capitalize in the meantime of being the top of the group of five, right? In that group of SMU and them and San Diego State, if they don't go to the Pac-12, Boise State, you're right there. You have access to the uh, the 12 team playoff coming up soon. Mm-hmm. I mean, all you can do is the best you can do with the current situation. All of the other things that you like, I, I, w- I was always told playing sports, control the controllable, control the controllable, mm-hmm. right? You, you cannot help if the Big 12 is going to shoot you down every step of the way and you're never going to get invited to the party. Yeah, you I mean, can, you yeah. can go, but what you can do is get to a college football playoff, you can get to a Sweet 16, you can get to an Elite Eight and show your value going forward. And maybe yeah. that changes the scenery, the thought process behind some of these power conferences and where you could end up. Be great if Ryan won the American this year. It would be very, it would be very nice. It'd be very nice like that, because I have I, you forget a lot of things quickly there. Yeah, it, it, you just gotta even more so than getting upgrades at Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium. All that you, you just have to show your value on the field of play. Yeah, that's all you can do at this that's moment. It. Yeah, but I, I, I there's, and that's where your real value is because yes. we've seen these other teams. San Diego State built a new stadium. UNLV plays in a pro stadium. It doesn't matter if your team's crappy, like. That, that certainly brings your profile up if Memphis goes and kills the American. You know yeah, what I mean? but you just have to get positivity around your programs, and 
move forward that way. You, you, again, control the controllable right. in the meantime. I don't think when, when I talk about the Big Ten and the SEC and your super conferences and them adding t- the SEC adding teams from the ACC, Big Ten getting Notre Dame, Big Ten getting Oregon, Washington, I think this is a down-the-road conversation, mm-hmm. 10, 15, 20 years. So in the meantime, raise your value. You, you, you cannot do anything but that. I mean, I, I, it, it stinks to consistently, even when you've shown your value the past decade plus, even when you've shown your value, to, it, it stinks to consistently get left out. But it, yeah, I mean, you, you can't do anything. You can't do anything, uh, anything more uh, than, than what's been done right now. I do wish, you know, just looking back, that there was more of an investment in football before 2014 or 2013. That's what I was going to ask you about. Um, and, I, and I think that ultimately getting left out of the Big 12 of a Power 5 conference, I think we, could, we can have real conversations. I think it's hard to dispute right. that back in the day, the investment into Cal, the investment into that basketball program and leaving football to the side, I think that was a, I think that was a massive brain fart right. uh, with the higher-ups at the University of Memphis at that time. Um, and it, it's hard to dispute that that's – not the reason, that that is the reason, I mean, that they're not getting in right this second or 2015, 2016. You could, you could have shown this value earlier, and we know that football drives revenue uh, more so than any other sport on campus. And it's if too you would, painful. It's painful. Yep. And if you, would, if you would have gone ahead and made that investment up front earlier in the 2000s, you could have been in a better spot. Tough to see. I'm gonna just root on the team. I, that's that's it. It's about the team. Like if you win games this year, right? I mean, we'll, we'll, we're not gonna remember this. Control the we won't think about it. I mean, we'll think about it, but you know, you, you it's a lot. I'd rather see a good football team. Yeah, I'd rather see a good football. And I also don't think you should give up on football either. I know that there's been this this hint at, well, if it's if it's not a power conference, give up on it. I, I don't. If think, you want to cut your revenue into shreds. If you just want to cut it in half, if not more than that, then okay, yeah, let's go independent. And fo- no, it's stupid. It's a stupid thought. It really is. Right. And you can point to UConn all you want, but what's the guarantee if you invest and put all your all your eggs into that basketball basket that you're going to get a national championship? And also, also with that, it's just not a money generating sport. Basketball well, as you, much as football is, and you can get it back pretty quick. Like I know we we crap on UConn, but like Jim Moore had a decent year last year. And- Sure. Yeah. Junior. I, junior. The junior. This I'm isn't playoffs, saying. Jim Mora. This isn't playoffs. This is this is Jim Mora Jr. This Mike, is Falcons, Jim Mora. Jim Mora Jr. had a decent year at UConn last year. Solid. But I, I with, with coming UConn, out of the abyss. It, but isn't it frustrating? And I know you can talk about market size. I think we're right around fifty fifty one. Right in Memphis for TV, mm-hmm. uh, for TV, and I think you know Hartford, that area in Connecticut, somewhere in the 30s. Like you could talk about market size all you want, but Memphis athletic department's been better than UConn's. Besides the national championship last year, the, I mean, you look at the past decade or so. Yeah, I just I just look at what Memphis has been able to accomplish on the football field, getting to a Cotton Bowl. The growth is substantially more than what UConn's been able to do. I, 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 it's tough to see because football is so irrelevant at UConn. No one cares about football there. Football can be cared about here. Football, we've seen it. We've seen it. We've seen it. I've seen the the Liberty Bowl packed up for SMU, for Ole Miss, for Mississippi State, 
hell for Duke coming off of a four and eight season early in the year. Yeah, this is the part where you and I we go back to when they hired Ryan. That was a critical hire. You had to really gas that hire. That was, and so I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, it was. I said it at the time. I said, "This is really important. This guy could. You need somebody who does remarkable things when you make this hire. And you've had two coaches that you went outside the box and you hired for. Yeah, but the direction you got to get this. You got to get the momentum back. You said pre two fourteen, twenty fourteen. Like that hire. I mean, (laughs) it was critical. It was critical. And and there there had to be some foresight to it as well. But if you look this year, just watch. We'll see. We'll see what happens. A lot of transfers in. A lot of different things that you could potentially uh, make positive. But I, I think after the last two years, I think after the last two years, people are hardcore, hardcore in the uh, boat of wait and see. I think I that's, think that's think exactly that's, right. Exactly yeah. right. Um, before we get to Jeff at five o'clock, uh, Big Ten Media Days. Hey. Big Ten Media Days rolled along. Um, Big Ten Commissioner did speak on realignment, asked if he believes the Big Ten should expand further, and I think that Oregon, Washington, maybe Stanford, maybe Cal could fit that, fit that, that makes mold, sense. depending. Um, but he said the direction he's gotten from presidents and ADs is to focus on USC and UCLA, and why wouldn't you? Don't need to add any more to the pot right now and split up your, your revenue on that massive TV contract. And then he went on to say, I'm not getting direction to do anything else other than that. Wow. So Big Ten's going to sit on their I hands for a that, second. I don't believe that, by the way. I, I, think they, I think that's exactly what you say. I think, I think they'll sit on their hands for a second and sort of feel Party feel with it, USC feel and UCLA. I they think have th- the biggest TV deal, yes. and, they're, and they're locked in for seven years. Like they, they, they're, not, they're not worried about their disappearance from the, uh, from the national spotlight. So they can just – they have – the ability that the Pac-12 thought they had for some reason. They have the ability to yeah. sit and wait this thing out and, and sort of let things come to them. I think the difference between them and the Pac-12 it, that's very obvious is while the Pac-12 said we're not worried about our TV deal, they, they actually were worried about it, whereas the Big Ten said we're not worried about it, uh, they're really not worried about it. Well, Big Ten know. had foresight, got the thing done, and now they don't really have to have a crazy amount of foresight. Right. They have seven years worth of a billion dollars a year <laughs> for all of their members. Like right. it's, 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 it's crazy. It's crazy. So they they have the ability to sit on their hands and wait and see who wants to jump into the Big Ten. And like, I, if I'm looking and I say, okay, Oregon and Washington want to come, I feel I feel good. Like yeah. I can I can hold out for a second. Okay. Yeah, I know. I know. I'll have power. They'll coming get into antsy. This yeah, they'll get antsy. Stanford, I think, is a no-brainer. And then PJ Fleck, in response to AJ Perez's article on front office sports, I talked about it heavily in the Blitz yesterday. He calls all of the uh, allegations about him being toxic and um, having the Fleck bucks. He said they're baseless allegations from AJ Perez's front office sports report. And he told ESPN that the claims have been looked into multiple times since 2017 with no wrongdoing found. And he did sort of point out that these are guys, a lot of the guys, and they, they've been anonymous for the most part, that, that were not overly happy about the way things ended uh, with their time in Minnesota. Um, and then uh, he said that Minnesota set up six channels where players can report mistreatment, including directly to the athletic director, Mark Coyle, who said, Mark Coyle, their athletic director, he said that there has never been uh, such claims from Gophers players that are on campus. And then on Fleckbucks, he did respond. 
There was no currency ever exchanged. There was no coins that ever existed. It was an analogy simply to explain investment for life, a life lesson of investment, simply that. No one ever got out of any type of punishment for that. Yeah, that makes sense. Feels like everything I, I don't I laid think it's out a yesterday. big nothing. It's, it's it's him trying to establish culture. Some people may take it the wrong way, but I didn't see anything in the AJ Perez report that really rubbed me all that wrong. I guess if the Fleck Bucks were th- were real and he let people get off of of positive drug tests because they did community service and got good grades, I think that's a little bizarre. But he's denying it all the way through. What did you think of the uh, the the part of the column where it said that he's running a cult? Uh, here's what I, I listened to you talk about this yesterday, and I thought you made really good points about, yes, it is different when you're in college programs. You said this in the 6 o'clock hour yesterday. Um, it is sort of a cult, but it's it's part it's the cult you sign up for, which is working your ass off and doing, um, <laughs> right? I mean, it, it's sort of cult-like. Mike Norvell, let me bring this back yeah. to this. Hashtag climb. Anybody familiar with that? Yeah, I remember that. Every single letter meant a different thing. When you're establishing culture, you do some weird things that are just not normal in everyday, day-to-day life at your job, at your whatever your livelihood is. It's it's different. <laughs> it's a different culture. And not everybody's made for it. So, I, yes, I think there's a lot of programs around the country, the way they operate, the 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 different things that they push on their players it could be categorized as cultish at times but that's yeah. just that <laughs> that tends <the> <laughs> to be right. that tends to be the general culture of trying to run a program and get your culture instilled in your players now Jeff Calkins on the other side let's go ahead and get to that right here on 929 FM ESPN